On this week's episode of Where We Are, catch up with the wares. We'll catch you up on everything that happened over the last week in our lives and also in the life of the UK. <laughs> a, a lot is a, a lot is happening, a lot is changing, and a lot stays the same. The one and only Boris Johnson back for the sequel. We'll talk about that and more on where we are. You're listening to Where We Are. We are the Wares. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. And Melissa, we made it to the end of the week. As promised, we... I didn't want to have to do another episode where I was like, I promise, like an announcement is coming. Uh, so we, we actually <laughs> did make not just one announcement last week, but two. Uh, the first is I launched the Center for Christianity and Public Life, a new nonprofit based in the nation's capital with the mission to contend for the credibility of Christian resources in public life for the public good. We won't talk too much about it on uh, the episode uh, today, but you can go to ccpubliclife.org. That's ccpubliclife.org. And learn more. I'm really excited. Have a great team. Have a wonderful board and it's been an incredible week. The feedback we've received, the people who are excited about our mission and our work. We announced that we'll be launching what we call a public life fellowship program. And you can learn more about that on the website. In the fall of 2023, we'll hold a first, uh, our first annual conference called For the Good of the Public. And that's an opportunity to present to the public a positive vision for Christian participation in public life and politics. And so really excited about that. That is uh, the, the Center for Christianity and Public Life is uh, my work now, my full-time <laughs> plus <laughs> gig. And uh, hopefully uh, it will be my work for a long time coming. Melissa, the second announcement that came out this week, I didn't know that it was going to come out this week, but uh, Zondervan announced that uh, I'm writing my next book with Zondervan. Uh, And uh, the book is tentatively titled The Kind of People We Are. And it's a book I've wanted to write for a long time. It's uh, a book that applies Dallas Willard's ideas to public life and politics and uh i'm very excited about it i'm i'm it's not finished yet i'm writing it now it will come out in the fall winter of 2023 and so that those are those are the announcements we we had a we had a crazy week last week yeah i mean it was it was long but it also went flew by um and also uh for me on my end I'm going to be sticking with Public Square Strategies, the the consulting firm that Michael and I have been running for the past, well, Michael's been running since 2013, but now is stepping off. And so I'll be taking over Public Square Strategies. Um, for There's those been of you a coup. There. 
It's been a coup. <laughs> uh, so for those of you who need consulting with relationships, with business development, communication, strategy, with political analysis, think of it, um, I probably do it. So please get in touch with me with at Melissa at PublicSquareStrategies.com if you need any help. Great. Yeah, so th- that's that's update on the where end of things. Melissa... Can you talk the people through, I feel like we do this like every three weeks. Uh, (laughs) Can you talk the people through what is happening in UK politics right now? Europe seems to fall apart a little bit every four weeks. (laughs) So here I am. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The UK, well, uh, our closest ally, what is going on over there? They're looking a lot like the US. They seem to be joining us in a little bit of political chaos right now. so we've, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast with The Morning Five that a few months ago, Boris Johnson, who was the then prime minister of the UK, resigned fr- as prime minister after a few different scandals. The, the most recent one had been a, a sex scandal. And then before that... Not a, his. Not his. It, uh, it, was, it was like a... Uh, was it cabinet official or just yes. someone in the party? Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And before that, a COVID scandal where he had held parties that had that followed zero COVID protocols. When in the meantime, while he was imposing a lot of COVID protocols on his, on his entire country, so several scandals. So you know, members of parliament no longer and his cabinet no longer had confidence in him. So. There was a two-month process over the summer where they voted in a new prime minister who was then Foreign Secretary Liz Truss. And so Liz Truss this past summer inherited a a very bad economy that was trying to recover from COVID, um, an energy crisis because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, um, an NHS that is pretty much falling apart, and people sort of losing a lot of confidence in the Tories or the Conservative Party. So Liz Truss is, is a Tory or a member of the Conservative Party. So was Boris Johnson, um, you know, one of the major uh, political parties of the UK for, for, for the last several decades. I mean, for a long time. Um, so she just resigned this past week after just 45 days in office. And a lot of her downfall is being pinned on um, her economic plan and um, sort of sending an already very volatile and uh, weak UK economy into a complete and utter tailspin um, right at the end of September. So on September 23rd, her finance minister, um, uh, Kwame Kartang, announced a um, the, the largest tax cut in the past um, in the past 50 years, an estimated 45 billion pounds over five years. Um, and so then that following Monday, um, investors started to dub that economic plan um, trussonomics, sort of after um, Reaganomics, so trickle-down economics, because it was found out that Truss's tax cuts were going to, mo- were, were going to mostly go to the wealthy. Um, and we're not going to go to people, you know, who are suffering under inflation because, I mean, you know, the UK is also suffering from about around 10% inflation, just like the United States, just like the rest of the world. With major energy concerns With on the major horizon. energy concerns. No. With the fact that, you know, with healthcare, not the sort of uh, stalwart of British healthcare sort of not also being there. Um, so... 
a lot of investors started selling off British currency, the pound, and it came down to a valuation of a dollar three. So that oh, is my goodness. that is the lowest ever value to the dollar that the pound has ever experienced. And so we're happy to announce that next week's episode of Where We Are will be live from London. We've, <laughs> yes. we've been able to rent out the, what is the o, O2 Arena? Yeah, the O2 Arena. Yeah, we've yeah. rented out the O2 Arena for uh, 500 American dollars. You're all invited. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, many of us many of us can afford it now. Um, so, yes, you've got the global markets just sort of reeling from this economic plan. So the pound, it was devalued. It's since gained back a, a bit of its value, but it's still at all-time low levels. Now, remember, when Brexit happened, the, the pound also suffered. Um, but this was just unprecedented. Um, and then there was a huge sell-off in government bonds. So a b- tiny, tiny economics lesson. Government bonds are supposed to be one of the safest investments in the world, one of the most, because it's Government bonds are usually quite stable, especially a country like the UK or the US or an EU, uh, a member of the EU. Like their government bonds tend to be more well backed. They're stable. Well, there was a huge sell off of it it's to the point where the Bank of England had to purchase 65 billion pounds worth of bonds and to quote unquote restore orderly market conditions and basically float the country's pension scheme. Because the pension scheme was losing so much money that you know pensioners weren't going to be able to weren't going to get their their checks because the UK economy had tanked so hard. So I mean, this was a complete and utter disaster. So her finance minister resigns, and she's trying to pick up the pieces over the past what now two weeks. Um, so she she lost confidence pretty much immediately around two two to, to two and a half weeks ago. She apologized on TV through TV interviews. Um, she hired um, a sort of uh, debt hawk um, new finance minister to to reverse all those tax cuts to reverse this mini budget plan. But it still was not enough. The sort of backpedaling, the the quick 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 pivot. You know, compared to most you know political. Uh, decisions, it was quite a quick pivot to suddenly sort of just, you know, get rid of your whole entire budget to start off your your premiership. Um, it still <laughs> meant that she it still meant that she had completely lost confidence of not just um, her cabinet, members of parliament, her party members, the 81,000 party members who were voted her in in the first place um, during this this last leadership competition. But uh, a lot of the commentary, and I would have to agree with it, a lot of the commentary is saying that even some of the most stalwart, you know, voters in the country are starting to lose confidence in the Tories in this conservative party because of Boris Johnson's scandals, and then um, this just spectacular, spectacular disaster that was um, Liz Truss as prime minister, just the shortest prime ministership ever in the UK, so forty-five days. Um, so right now we're about to have a contest for new leadership. Um, to, to like two months after another <laughs> after uh, pre- the previous pre- contest previous contest trust is how trust ascended yeah. yes and it's going to be they're trying to they're going to make it they're going to try to make it really really fast which again the blast one took two months and they're going to try to do it in like a couple weeks so that'll be because really no Brits will actually be voting in no. this one right so Liz Trust got in through party members, around 81,000 of the party members voting her over two other big candidates, um, Penny Mordaunt and Rishi Sunak. Um, so 
she wasn't democratically elected in the first place, technically, if we're, if we're talking through American terms here. And now they're going to have a contest uh, for them to vote again very, very quickly to put somebody in until the 2024 general election. So the UK does have general elections. It's just that if a prime minister loses um, favor or loses confidence or um, resigns, or resigns um, for other reasons, um, new um, prime ministers are put in through actual votes of the party, um, not just the general election, the general voting population. So you've got... Two other people, like I said, Rishi Sunak and Penny Mordaunt, who might be trying to get in there. Rishi is highly favored, but Boris Johnson is said to most likely try to make a go for it again. And there are, there are quite a few party members who would like to have him back, who, you know, the you know the previous scandals and the the loss of confidence that he had that was a few two months, months ago. ago. That was a long time ago. So if we think about you know Americans generally having a very short memory span when it comes to politics, uh, the Brits do as well a little bit. Um, so that's that's the UK right now. It's it's definitely a different system from the from the American system. Um, it it Melissa, you skipped over the most important facet of this entire debacle yes um can you describe the significance of the head of lettuce (laughs) sorry i'm trying not to make a total spectacle out of explaining this process yes so um what is the publication was it the sun it was one of the it was one it was one of the major 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 british tabloids a couple of weeks ago after trussonomics was introduced and this mini budget was introduced they started a live feed of a head of lettuce and and put out this idea that this head of lettuce, would it last longer than Liz Truss's prime ministership? And it turns out that the lettuce has outlasted It looked Truss. great. It, 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 looked, it was in great shape. It, I couldn't it was living its it. best life. It looked younger than when it started. Yeah. With no cosmetic surgery that we're aware of. It was of. feeding off the chaos. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was that's thriving the- off the chaos. <laughs> Oh man! So the British tabloids uh, are something else. Are something else, and can just be just gruesome, brutal. just absolutely uh, brutal, brutal. So you know, it's going to be interesting to see if Boris can come back. I said this on our episode after Boris resigned, which is I knew he'd be back, just not this soon. Yeah. He's the most talented well, politician they have. And so really I think is. after the trust experiment, Tory members are sort of saying, look, I'm not going to put... Well, I think first they probably uh, feel like a loss is coming. Like labor is due for a win yeah. uh, in 2024. And then they're saying, I'm not going to put sort of my career, my livelihood... In another untested politician's hands, at least with Boris, we know what we're getting. At least with Boris, there's um, there's there's uh, a, a record and a sense that he will look out for his members. Obviously, controversies, you know, sort of ding that a bit. But mm-hmm. it, it, Boris might be what's what uh, what enough members. Of Parliament, uh, Tory members of Parliament are comfortable with that. That Boris will basically get a second, uh, well, not a second term because he was, but but get a term going through 
2024. Um, yeah, so the interesting thing there is that you're completely and utterly right. And then there's the other side of that coin where Boris Johnson has been a part of a not a huge a smaller sect of the Tory party that has been more libertarian. So Theresa May before him, who, she was prime minister after David Cameron. David Cameron was the last compassionate conservative Tory. Um, right. Somebody you would think of more as like very much just staunchly in the right, compassionate conservative, your typical Tory. And Theresa May, it's funny, all both both women prime, prime ministers in, have inherited just complete messes of a country because Theresa May came in right after, you know, the Brexit vote because that's why David Cameron resigned in 2016. She came in to try to make Brexit happen. Um, and she, Boris Johnson, and Liz Truss are part of this libertarian side of the Tory party. And so... Rishi Sunak, who who I mentioned before, is more towards the center, maybe more towards the center than maybe even David Cameron was. Um, I mean, some could argue that one, but he would be a sort of turn away from this libertarian side, this libertarian ideology that's been running the UK since 2016, since the Brexit vote happened. Um, and the other the other thing that I'll say that hinders Boris Johnson, Brexit. Uh, the actual process of Brexit, of leaving the EU, the UK's the UK leaving the EU that began in 2016 after that big Brexit referendum, gave this libertarian wing of the party its identity, its sort of um, shining beacon on a hill, its goal, something to sort of aim and shoot for. And throughout May's um, prime ministership, she w- that was you know the main th- through line of you know why you would vote for her, why she was the best leader. For Boris Johnson getting in there, it was it was actually you know I'm to clean things up and I'm going to actually make Brexit happen. And then he did. And I think there has been this sort of loss of or um, less of a purpose in terms of or less of a sort of narrative or messaging around. Um, why the Tories would be the best party to continue to lead the UK into the future. And I think uh, Truss, Liz Truss, what she was trying to do with this mini budget was trying to really appeal towards the ideological ends of this sort of grouping um, within the Tories, this libertarian grouping within the Tories, but also give a much bigger economic vision as well to the entire country Right. that especially since brexit has happened it's done they don't have that to sort of rest on anymore and boris johnson you know getting into scandals like he couldn't sort of go back on like well you know what i'm i'm busy doing this and getting this done for you he had nothing and so uh trust i think was trying to create a new pathway for this um for this libertarian wing of the tories to continue you know continue on with the you know with their hold on and to be clear it's what she ran on Yes, it's I mean, what she so, ran on. And so that's the, why she ran on it, because she needed something. She needed an anchor. Yeah. And and so the, I mean, that that's an interesting thing here, just to talk about sort of the democracy aspect, which mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, the whole, like, Tory uh, contest to decide who would succeed Johnson, much of it was attempts to ding trust that she was too much of a tax cutter mm-hmm. then she gets in she t- cuts taxes it <laughs> yep. doesn't go well and then she's yeah. like gone uh-huh uh it, it is just like a fascinating 
you know, she didn't necessarily assume to lead the country through, uh, you know, eighty-one thousand people, you know, mm. voted uh, to to make it happen, and then she gets replaced through an undemocratic process. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it, it's it's like you said, different than than what we have here. I'm not sure if it's better. Or worse, you know, it, it's interesting to think about, like, if there was a tested, like, precedented measure for Republicans to replace Donald Trump mm-hmm. uh, that wouldn't sort of throw the constitutional order into, like, chaos, mm-hmm. you, you know? Like, if, if, if Republicans could have gotten rid of Trump and still controlled who became president, mm-hmm. uh, you know, does that change the, the the calculus? It's just like an interesting thing to interesting thing to to think about. But we'll we'll see who who uh, already King Charles will preside over yes. a transfer of, yes. of power. I mean, a new yep. a new PM, and so. Uh, uh, he's he's racking up milestones early, yeah. uh, and uh, before we go though, a conservative MP mm-hmm. made comments on the BBC that I think were deeply resonant, mm-hmm. not just in the UK among political watchers in the UK, but I think resonant with the sort of political disappointment and frustration across well i won't say something as sweeping as across western democracies but certainly it resonates with i think a lot of what americans are feeling about their own politics let me play this um pretty interesting to see how emotional this brick gets um, mm-hmm. uh, here it is to be perfectly honest this whole affair is inexcusable it is just, it is a pitiful reflection on the Conservative Parliamentary Party at every level. Um, and it reflects really badly, obviously, on the government of the day. Do you think there's any coming back from this? I don't think so. But I have I, I have to say I've been of that view really since two, two weeks ago. Um, this is an absolute disgrace as a Tory MP of 17 years who's never been a minister, who's got on with it loyally most of the time. I think it's a shambles and a disgrace. I think it is utterly appalling. So, so you seem quietly... I'm, I'm, I'm livid. And, you know, I really shouldn't say this, but I hope all those people that put Liz Truss in number 10, I hope it was worth it. I hope it was worth it for the ministerial red box. I hope it was worth it to sit around the cabinet table. Because the damage they have done to our party is extraordinary. I'm sorry, it's very difficult to convey. You look just furious about this. I am. I am. I've had enough. I've had enough of talentless people um, putting their tick in the right box, not because it's in the national interest, but because it's in their own personal interest to achieve ministerial position. And And I know I speak for hundreds of backbenchers who right now... Um, are worrying for their constituents all the time, but now worrying about their own personal circumstances because there is nothing as X as an ex-MP. And a lot of my colleagues are wondering, as many of their constituents are wondering, and how they're going to 
pay their mortgages if this all comes to an end soon. Mm. What do you do next? How do you move on from this? Well, I'm leaving Parliament at the next general election, and I'm leaving voluntarily. But unless we get our act together and behave like grown-ups, uh, I'm afraid many hundreds of my colleagues, perhaps 200, will be leaving at the behest of their electorate. So that's really pretty much all I've got to say. Patience reach the limit. You're probably not the only one. I'm not. Wow. I mean, folks. Conservative MP Charles Walker, everyone. Folks, uh, I've worked for and with the British for a long time. And that man is showing an immense amount of emotion to to use those particular words. And she, um, the the interviewer is correct that he just looks livid. It is that is quite an interview, Michael, and an indictment, mm-hmm. an indictment that um, yes, under awful circumstances but there's a sort of like cathartic nature to it yep uh and um that can only happen when the person making the indictment is able to step outside of personal or party interests so like a labor member saying that Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the same weight, no. the same weight, but you, you could tell he he means it, and he says, "I'm on my way out. Like I'm not. This is not my, you know, except for the extent to which I'm I'm a citizen, and you know that I'm a, you know, clearly he's, uh, you know, has has a political stake and and is representative, but like, you know, he's like." I'm not going to be responsible for getting us out of this mess. I'm leaving at the next general election. Um, yeah, no, just a really, really powerful, powerful statement. But Melissa, before we wrap up the episode, I thought we'd just briefly, we have two more episodes before the midterms, and I would imagine maybe something will intervene, but I, I'm, I would imagine our next three episodes will be very midterm-focused, very midtermy. Very midtermy, uh, with of course a third of those being a, a recap of, of what happened. Uh, but you know, last week we talked about all of the ways in which uh, this, the whole midterm campaign season, has been unorthodox. Has sort of shown these signs that. Maybe the the traditional sort of rules don't apply. Mm-hmm. Then this has been a week where um, where it's been like, oh, maybe this will just be a normal a normal beatdown for mm-hmm. the the, the yep. party that controls the White House. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, the old conventional wisdom that people don't vote, uh, especially Democrats don't vote on. Abortion, maybe that will prove true. New York Times had a poll out this week that showed uh, Republicans coming even with with women, with female voters, 47%, uh, I believe 47% each, Republicans and Democrats among women, with, uh, 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 with abortion ranking way down on the list of priorities. Uh, it's... Um, 
And we've seen a swing in some of these states. We talked about, I think we talked about Wisconsin last week. Ron Johnson still seems ahead there. Um, I'm interested just to put a pin in this for next week. Tim Ryan does seem to be making a real play in Ohio, yeah, I agree. which mm-hmm. is a little surprising and could end up being significant. Yeah. One would think that, you know, Republicans have had a significant advantage in Ohio during the Trump years and, and J.D. Vance will eke it out. But but Tim Ryan really making a go a go for it and uh, acting very... He, he seems to be trying to draw everything he can from Sherrod Brown's successes in the state. But, but mostly this week has been about Republican momentum. Uh, and so... Uh, in, in in like conventional in conventional ways, sort of the economy seems to be uh, holding down Democrats because their party's in the White House and has control of Congress, and so uh, you know I think all of all of what we talked about last week is still in play. Yeah, you know I, I don't think things have swung so much that they can't swing back, mm-hmm. uh, and that. You know, some of what we talked about last week, such as polarization leading uh, a significant percentage of voters who disapprove uh, disapprove of Biden to vote for Democrats nonetheless. Um, all that's still in play, but I think I'm, I'm my sort of uh, uh, bets, so to speak, have moved in the direction of Republicans favor over the last over the last week yeah I, mine mine have definitely moved as well i think that some of the even some of the polling um even slightly going into favor for for some democrats and some key senate races i think it's just overwrought or overdone um i've been thinking for about the last two to three weeks that the democrats are it's going to be a bloodbath my prediction is that it's going to be a bloodbath. What? Okay, bloodbath. That's strong language, Melissa. What's a bloodbath to you? A red wave. <laughs> what's, a, what's, a, <laughs> what's a red wave to you, Melissa? That that Republicans take the House, and I think that um, republic. I think Republicans will be like a fifty-one forty-nine. Okay. Um, uh, majority. And when you say take the House, are they are they eking it eking it through or? Do they have a 15-20 seat advantage in the House? 15-20 seat advantage. Wow, wow, wow. I'm not uh, I'm I, not prepared to make predictions at this point, and so I won't rebut that. I want to wait uh want to wait until our our week before episode, but you get bonus points for laying down your marker early. You're of course welcome to adjust in future episodes, I but am pretty welcome, bo- pretty bold of you to to Why to not, folks? Stake, stake that, yeah. Be bold. all right well hey it's been a long week but we're always really glad to be able to wrap up the week with you as always uh, check out the substack at reclaiminghope.substack.com leave a review of the podcast on itunes spotify your favorite podcast provider service uh it would really help us out and uh melissa you hate when I ask this question. I really do. Any closing thoughts? Uh, closing thoughts. It's getting really cold, everyone, and I don't like it. Yeah. 
That is that is true. But you did you did have a good day today. You went. I did. You had a little shopping experience. And, yeah. And the our tree is just like a bright red right now outside. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah. The colors just mark the downhill trajectory <laughs> into winter. Well, on that hopeful note. <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. I hate fall. <laughs> Michael's just dying. He's like, you had to get it in, Melissa, didn't you? Hope everyone has a great fall week. Yes, I hope you really do. And we'll talk to you next week. This is where we are. Bye.